Alleluia, Alleluia, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia, 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 Lord, to whom shall we go? of eternal life. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 21st chapter. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be, and what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. For these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed by even parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. God's beloved people, grace to you in peace from God our Creator and from our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus had a way of attracting a crowd. When he arrived in Jerusalem, people lined the streets and greeted him with warm hosannas. When he taught in the temple, both his fans and his foes surrounded him. They asked him questions, and they hung on his every word, even though some of those words were hard to hear. Today's text is an example. Hearing people comment on the beauty and the grandeur of the temple, Jesus responded rather cryptically, the days are coming when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. I can imagine the puzzled look on their faces. They were just admiring the architecture. And there was a lot to admire. The massive temple with gathering spaces for hundreds of thousands of people bore witness to the strength and endurance of the Jewish people. 
Its holy of holies was God's seat in Jerusalem, the site of rituals and festivals that celebrated God's steadfast favor and pointed to a stable, well-ordered world. But according to Jesus, it would all come down. When will this occur, they ask, and what will be the sign it's about to occur? It's an interesting question, not why, but when. I wonder if the people wanted assurance that this devastation wouldn't happen in their lifetime. Jesus didn't really answer them. But we know that the temple was destroyed in 70 AD as part of the Roman siege of Jerusalem. Wars and insurrections, division within families, all of the things Jesus spoke of had occurred by the end of the first century, along with the martyrdom of many Jewish and Christian leaders. Paul, Peter, Andrew, Philip, they were all dead by the end of the century. It was a dark, devastating time. The Holy of Holies was reduced to a pile of rubble, and God had gone where? For people of faith, it felt like the foundations had cracked. That which they trusted as stable and secure, solid ground on which they could build lives, gone. They struggled mightily to imagine what would come next. Most of us sitting here today have not experienced this kind of national devastation. Maybe Pearl Harbor or 9-11 are experiences in our collective memory that come the closest. I know there are veterans among us who have witnessed this destruction in other countries around the world. But for the most part, we Americans have been spared, and I pray that I don't take that for granted. But I am aware that there are millions of people in our country right now who feel anxious and insecure. I've had a steady stream of conversations this past week that have given voice to this insecurity and this grief. This presidential campaign has left people shaken on both sides of the aisle. I have a friend who is satisfied with the results of the election, but admitted quite honestly that he feels nervous about where we go from here, like we are entering uncharted waters. It's tempting when we feel scared or angry or wounded to either lash out at others or to retreat to the company of others just like us. But we who gather here for worship each week, we know a more excellent way. We are practiced at listening for the word of God, both in times of rejoicing and in times of mourning. Our life together is centered in this word and the power it has to bring us into God's presence and to move us from fear to courage, from despair to hope. I hear God's word today in the vision and in the promise found in our scripture readings. The Old Testament reading is a beautiful description of God's vision for this world. Be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. No more shall there be an infant who lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. For the days of my people shall be like a tree. My chosen shall live long 
and enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like an ox. They shall not hurt or destroy on my holy mountain. These prophetic words lift our eyes to the horizon, to the end of time, when all will be healed and whole in God's reign. At the same time, they bring into focus the world right in front of us. They invite us to look for the Spirit of God at work among us now, even when our common life is tattered and tense. With these prophetic words ringing in my ears, I am able to see the Spirit of God at work in the restlessness and the lament of those who do not have worthy work to do, work that contributes, that is not in vain, work that provides a means to create a home, to have children, to grow old. These seem like such ordinary, worldly things, don't they? But we hear in this text that they are God's concerns, a secure place to call home, worthy work to do. These matter to God, so they need to matter to me as well. I hear in these words God's desire for us to live together without attempting to dominate each other, without preying on each other, without dividing each other into strong and weak, powerful and powerless. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. They will not hurt or destroy on my holy mountain. And so the Spirit of God moves me to speak a clear no to the behaviors of domination, the practices of dehumanizing one another. God desires a world in which no matter how different we are from each other, we live peaceably and with respect for the image of God in the other. So I am called to desire that world as well and use whatever God-given gifts I have to work toward it. During this time when our public life feels fragile, it is good to be reminded that as people of God, we are guided by a vision, the same holy vision that has guided faithful people throughout the ages. And as people of God who belong to Christ, we are invited to trust his promise to provide what we need. In the gospel text, we hear Jesus promise to abide with his people as a living presence, offering them the words and the wisdom for whatever trials they face. I find tremendous comfort in this promise. If I had to figure out how to navigate these waters on my own, if I had to rely on my own words and my own wisdom, I would grow discouraged. But Christ abides in me as he abides in you. He is the living presence of God with us and will provide what we need for the living of these days. I've been thinking about the words that were provided to St. Paul as he sat in his jail cell shortly before his death. To his beloved Philippians he wrote, Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 
Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. These are the words I need to hear at this time. And they describe what I see week in and week out in this place as I watch the Spirit of God at work in you. I see the Spirit of God at work in you as you pack quilts and kits and backpacks, as you cook meals for Nativity House and Peace Community Center and for our own members who face challenges. I see the Spirit at work in your welcome of those who are new to our country and new to our congregation. I see what is true and honorable in the way you work together to make decisions and carry out a wide variety of ministries. If you feel disheartened or discouraged, I invite you to spend some time here during the week to see what I see day in and day out the living presence of Christ at work for the sake of the world. In that resilient presence, we find our peace. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Savior. Thanks be to God.